Introducing the great new taste of Coca-Cola. The best tasting Coke in the history of ever. It's a hit. It's a Coke. Coke is it. Hello, my name's Luke and welcome to Scapegoat, the podcast where we decide who gets the blame and who gets away with murder, sometimes literally. We're going to be speaking this week about one of the world's biggest brands, Coca-Cola. Specifically, I'm going to be speaking about the new Coke fiasco, which happened in 1985, where Coca-Cola decided to change their formula. Now, this is widely seen as one of the worst marketing decisions of all time. What led Coke away from their 99 years of previous success? What was the thought process behind this change? Were the executives of the company just being completely reckless? Or were they being scapegoated and this was secretly a marketing masterpiece? Well, to understand this, we have to look first at the history of Coke before New Coke. And the history of Coke begins in Atlanta in 1886, where a man called John Pemberton decided he wanted to form an alternative medicine to morphine. The original version of Coca-Cola was based off wine, and the recipe featured coca leaves, which is where cocaine is produced from, and that's why it's called Coca-Cola. The original beverage had an estimated 9 milligrams of cocaine in it. This recipe was changed around the turn of the century. However, Coca-Cola still uses coca leaves in its product. It's actually the only U.S. company who's allowed to import coca leaves, and there's still trace amounts of alcohol in Coca-Cola, but not a huge amount. Now, at this time, at the turn of the century, Coca-Cola was entering a huge marketplace of sodas throughout the United States. So there was many different soda products, and Coca-Cola wanted a jump start on their competitors, so they jealously guarded their formula to stop imitators from copying it. And they famously locked away their recipe in an Atlanta bank vault where only two executives could ever know what the full recipe was, just to try and stop competitors. While many rival companies went bankrupt throughout this period, Coca-Cola had amazing advertising. This helped their product to spread throughout the whole of the United States. So many of the tropes you might associate now with Coca-Cola were suddenly appearing at this time. The famous Coca-Cola Santa Claus was first used in the 1920s. And many people think Santa Claus is red because of Coca-Cola. This is actually a misnomer. This isn't actually what happened, but... It became so popularized by Coca-Cola, many people associate Santa Claus with it. Also, they had their very famous curved bottles, which have become an icon now, that many people saw these bottles and it made a real difference between them and their competitors because they wanted the thing in the fancy glass. Also, Coca-Cola was sold at about five cents and this price was maintained from the start up to 1959. So it was very cheap and people could just afford to go out and get a bottle if they were feeling ill or they even just wanted refreshments. It sold very well. During World War II, Coca-Cola really came amongst its own. Because Coca-Cola was associated with servicemen, many people were buying it as a kind of patriotic thing, and Coca-Cola was giving a lot of bottles and a lot of access to Coca-Cola for their troops. It was so popular that Coca-Cola was exclusively led around sugar rationing during this period. Other products were rationed, their sugar, they weren't allowed to have as much, but Coca-Cola was allowed as much as they wanted because it was seen as something that they needed to help the war effort. So this led an entire generation of people just to really associate Coca-Cola with America. And Coca-Cola was still on top after the war, with about 60% of all sodas sold in the United States being Coca-Cola. They began to increase this by 
just investing in the fast food sector and in vending machines. So if you went to a McDonald's or a KFC, they would exclusively give you Coca-Cola products. So this helped sell this, and vending machines were the same. Coca-Cola would only let their products be in Coca-Cola exclusive vending machines. So they had a major market share. This continued throughout the 50s and 60s. However, their rival Pepsi-Cola, who had the original name Brad's Drink, which I think is a great name, began to close the gap throughout the period of the 1970s with a very clever advertising strategy. Pepsi realized that it was foolish to try and target the World War II generation because they had such a close affiliation with Coke. So they began to target the younger generation. While Coke sales maintained their strong hold with older customers, Pepsi were doing a lot better if the younger generation were actually outselling Coke. And there was a real watershed moment with a Pepsi advertising campaign in 1975 called the Pepsi Challenge. Consumers were shown two glasses, one which contained Coke, one which contained Pepsi, and they were just asked, tell which one tasted better. And they didn't know which was which. And Pepsi found that a lot more people preferred Pepsi to Coke because of its sweet taste. So they started saying, Pepsi tastes better than Coke. Most people prefer Pepsi to Coke. The Pepsi challenge really started to have this major effect, and Pepsi started selling even better. So it was slowly closing up to Coke. So by 1980, Pepsi was out selling Coca-Cola in supermarkets and in corner stores. Coke was only ahead of Pepsi in total sales, thanks to their exclusive restaurant deals and vending machines. To try and reclaim their market share, their new CEO in 1982 came out with Diet Coke. And this was the first Coke-branded product to be released since 1886. And this became an overnight success, which quickly became the world's third most popular soda. Coke executives believe that uh, due to the popularity of Diet Coke being so much sweeter, people actually preferred the taste of Pepsi. And they began to formulate a way to try and stop the rise of Pepsi. So we're going to look at what happened next, the start of new Coke. Well, the Coca-Cola company began their secret project 7X, or Project Canvas, to redevise the formulation of Coke. They wanted it to taste sweeter. That would be more popular amongst test audience. And they based the taste of their new soda around Diet Coke, which was a lot sweeter and tasted a lot more like Pepsi. And this was pushed strongly by Coca-Cola's new CEO, Roberto Gozueta. Gozueta had been in charge of a Coca-Cola subsidiary in Bahama, and had tweaked the recipe, which led to a massive increase of sales. So that's what actually led to him slowly becoming CEO of the company. And he had this great belief that people just wanted a sweeter soda, and there was nothing, there was no sacred cause. Coca-Cola needed to change to beat Pepsi. He started to run taste tests with his new formulation of a new Coke, and it was seen as way more popular than both Old Coke and Pepsi. Coca-Cola thought, we have struck gold here. We are going to release something and it's going to be the best soda in the world. But they still had a small problem. If they branded this Coke, what did they do with the old Coke? Now, on the board of directors, there was a major split about what to do with old Coke. Because technically, it was still America's best-selling soda. Some wanted the old Coke to be kept in circulation. People who didn't like the new formulation could continue to enjoy it, and Coke's market share would be totally the best. But Coke wanted to still remain the best-selling soda individually, and they were terrified that if they released a new Coke and old Coke was still there, it would split the market share in two, 
that would give Pepsi a large advantage. So Pepsi would become the biggest soda and they could use it in their advertising saying America's favorite soda and America's best and Pepsi's the most popular. Coke terrified by this, they kind of forced through saying, no, no, we need to get rid of old Coke and for new Coke just to take over because we don't want to lose market share. We don't want to give Pepsi this leg up. This product was developed in secret and on the 23rd of April, 1985, Coke announced to the world that they'd be changing the recipe and this caused a huge shock. The change would only immediately take place in the United States, but they're hoping by late summer, the new formula would be in Canada, Mexico, and Europe. They got Coke's main spokesperson at the time, Bill Cosby, to start pushing Coke very heavily in advertisements, and these advertisements were running all the time. On the local level, they advertised in newspapers, they had local events, so a lot of people were aware of new Coke. Within three days, it was predicted that 96% of American adults knew that new Coke was coming. Immediately, it started to sell really well. Compared to the year before, there was a massive increase on Coke sales. Coke was rubbing their hands of glee and saying, yes, we have come up with gold. We have replaced old Coke with something better, and this is great. This is where a good story would end, but this is where the bad starts going to begin. We're going to look at why did new Coke decline? Well, the thing is, the majority of people seemed to enjoy the new Coke formulation. But there was a backlash amongst customers who felt disgruntled by the change. Many people began to complain about it publicly. So, for instance, in Huntington Woods, Michigan, a woman called Libby Levine began to complain to local newspapers about the change in Coke and started a fight back campaign saying, bring back old Coke. She became a bit of a celebrity throughout the Midwest and, you know, she was featured in different newspapers and different people started to think, mm, we want to bring back old Coke. Meanwhile, on the West Coast in Seattle, two men, uh, Gay Mullins and Frank Olson, borrowed $120,000, or according to a BBC documentary, they appeared only five, but we'll say 120000 because that sounds far more impressive, to form an organization called the Old Cola Drinkers of America, which is a pressure group to try and reinstate the old Coke recipe. This organization had 60,000 phone calls within the first 40 days, Frank and Gay began to ring radio stations across the United States to try and raise awareness and to try and hassle Coke into re-putting out their old formula. They gave out the Coke help white line number, which is 1-800-GET-COKE, and it was soon flooded with complaints, people writing in letters. There's a famous letter that the Coke CEO read out that he was addressed as, Dear President Dodo, or he got one that he said, can I have your signature? Because I want a signature of the dumbest businessman in America. So people were starting to make it really personal against the Coke CEO. Gay Mullins himself tried to sue Coca-Cola to try and switch the recipe back to the old one. But his lawsuit was thrown out of court by a judge who said, quite simply, I prefer Pepsi. The late night talk shows of the time with Johnny Carson and David Letterman began to use new Coke as a butt of their jokes. So if something was failing, they compared it to new Coke. Pepsi used this new Coke marketing to their advantage. On the day that Pepsi heard that new Coke was being announced, they gave all their employees the day off in celebration of them winning the cola wars. They said Coke has blinked. They decided to change their formula to be more like Pepsi and ran this successful advertising campaign called Now I Know Why Coke Did It, where they had different people saying, hmm, I always drank Coke. 
and I'll try Pepsi. Oh, now I know why Coke did it. To taste like Pepsi. This was massively important to Pepsi, and they had their biggest increase in sales throughout their entire history. Their sales went up by 14%. Pepsi was doing very well out of this. Well, Coke sales had plateaued after the initial launch. Things were going well, but they had flatlined. Many consumers were now traveling miles to stores to try and stock up on old Coke. So if you heard that a store 50 miles away had old Coke, there'd be a bit of a rush by people to try and stock up on the old supplies. Different people started running successful businesses of importing the old formula Coke from Canada and Mexico and selling it secondhand. So it was almost like an illicit market of old Coke was appearing. In Cuba, Vidal Castro, who had been a lifelong Coke drinker, said, The collapse of new Coke is a sign American capitalism is failing and communism is winning. So it was starting to look bad for the entire whole of the U.S. image because Coke was doing badly. During July, the executives of Coca-Cola met the European bottle makers in uh, Monaco to see if they could convince them to change the new Coke. And almost universally, the European bottle makers said, Nope. We have no interest in new Coke. Keep the old Coke in Europe. That's what we want. Donald Keogh, who is the president of Coke, said that he went to a small restaurant after this, after being browbeaten, and the waiter in the restaurant brought out a bottle of the original Coke, of old Coke, and said, here you go. This is the real thing. This is great. Don't you love Coke? And he said, like, that for me was the moment I had a real change of heart. I knew that new Coke was failing and we needed to bring back the old thing. So within a couple of days, by the 11th of July, which is a couple of days' time, Coca-Cola announced they were bringing back old Coke by the name of Coca-Cola Classic and was to be run alongside new Coke. And they said, like, you can have Classic Coke or new Coke. We're now giving you a choice. And Classic Coke was amazingly popular at the time. Many TV shows had sudden news breaks where they announced Coca-Cola was being brought back. It was seen as that popular. Coke Classic started to outsell both Pepsi and New Coke. Within 15 months of bringing back New Coke, it was selling double of what Pepsi was. So there was a massive increase of Classic Cokes. Classic Coke was doing incredibly well all of a sudden, and it looked like Coke suddenly had won the Cola Wars. Now, Bill Cosby, who had been the Coke spokesperson and had been used heavily in the advertising of New Coke, got really, really badly upset by the fact that New Coke had failed. And he said, like, you know, this makes it look like it's my own personal failure. So he abandoned the Coca-Cola company and they replaced him with Max Headroom. Looking back with a historical view, I think Coca-Cola is pretty glad now that Bill Cosby is more associated with Jell-O pudding than he is with Coca-Cola. But we won't go into that very strong now. Coca-Cola started to just realize people want the old Coke and call it just Coke. So Coca-Cola Classic began to disappear from the packaging. A new Coke was branded Coke 2 in 1992. And it went on for another about 10 years. And then in 2002, it had just such a small market share, they just got rid of it. It had been an experiment and it had failed. And saying new Coke failed, why did it fail? Well, number-wise, it didn't exactly flop because there was an initial burst of people buying new Coke and then it kind of plateaued, it flatlined, but Coca-Cola didn't really lose that many people. There was just a lot of vocal people who didn't like new Coke, but they didn't lose that many customers. Indeed, the people that they lost didn't actually become Pepsi drinkers. They just stopped drinking cola 
and Pepsi was just gaining more people who they were naturally going to gain anyway. Removing Coke just gave people an excuse to rally against something that they didn't like the idea of. Since Coke was so associated with America, people thought replacing it is just removing heart of America. So although people liked the taste, they weren't going to admit it. The president of Coke, Donald Keough at the time, said that he went to his country club and he heard this exchange. Have you tried it? Yes. Did you like it? Yes, but I'll be damned if I let Coca-Cola know it. So people were just really kind of like, we might like it, but we want the old Coke back. Now, taste tests indicated before the change that people like new Coke, but when they were asked the question, would you buy this flavor if it was Coca-Cola? Many people said, uh, not so much. And about 10 to 12%, an angry minority, got really mad and said, if you do this, I will boycott Coke and I will get other people to boycott Coke. And they started even noticing in the trials that these people started to get the other members of the group to go against the new formulation. There was an angry just people who didn't want it. So 90% were fine. 10% were a really vocal minority. Included in this is Gay Mullins. He said, I like old Coke. He was given a taste test twice with Pepsi, New Coke, and Old Coke, and he was always found to prefer New Coke, but he had become so entrenched in his view that New Coke is bad and Old Coke is America and I love Old Coke that even though he preferred the taste of New Coke, he would never admit it and just would never really drink it. There was also a problem many people found with the taste tests that Coke were running before they did this. So the taste tests they had, they gave people a glass of Coke. Now this isn't like a big glass, this is kind of like a sipping small glass. So it wouldn't be a much, as much as a can or as much as a bottle, which people would drink. It would just be a small amount. When you're drinking such a small amount, people have theorized that you would like a sweeter taste. But if you had to drink a lot of it, you would actually prefer the taste of the original Coke. So they said the taste tests were biased because most people don't drink a thimble of Coke. They drink a glass of Coke. So over a glass, you'd prefer Coke to Pepsi. But... If you drink a small amount, you, all you would taste is the sweet, and you'd be like, hmm, this is nice. And I can see the logic in that. I mean, I remember just trying a sweet food my friend had, and I was like, oh, that's delicious. But, you know, if I had to eat the full thing, I think I would be sick. Now, we're going to look at a bit of a conspiracy corner here, because there's a lot of conspiracies involving old Coke, new Coke, and what the company did and the reasons why they did it. There's a theory that new Coke was a deliberate failure that they wanted to remove old Coke, and when they brought it back, they knew it would outsell what they previously had. So you take something away, and people suddenly want it. But Keogh, who was the president of Coke at the time, said, you know, we're not that dumb, but we're not that smart. We can't really think that far ahead in the future. And I kind of agree with him. It was be a pretty crazy risk, because the backlash was strong against Coke, it could have been so much worse that people like Gay Mullins, they kind of accepted new old Coke when it came back and were happy about it. But if it had turned really nasty, people could have ended up boycotting Coke and their market share could have fallen and it could have really played into Pepsi's hands. I, this is a nice conspiracy theory, but in practice, it's a huge risk and I don't really see it as the best, smartest move if it did happen. So I'd be inclined to believe the people in charge of Coke wouldn't really want to risk this. 
I think it was more the hubris of the new CEO who just wanted to change things because he had changed things in the past. Now, there's also a theory that when they brought back old Coke or classic Coke, they actually had changed the formula of it. So Coke originally had a lot of sugar in it, but the new Coke had a high fructose corn syrup in it. So many people believe, now this was just an entirely a scam, so you remove old Coke for three months, and then you can actually put something different in it, and people won't know the difference because they haven't been tasting it in a while. This theory does have a little bit of legs. So certainly some people who drank Coke would have had sugar Coke, and then that would have been changed to high fructose for corn syrup. But throughout the 80s, bottlers had began to find that Coca-Cola was very expensive to produce. So many had started putting in high fructose corn syrups themselves to try and make the recipe cheaper. By 1985, it's predicted about 75 to 80% of all Coca-Cola had high fructose corn syrup in it before the change. Certainly in some markets, people could say, no, this tastes different. What's, what's happening? But it was a change that was happening before. I don't see this as really a great reason to do it. They could have slowly switched it to high fructose corn syrup throughout 1985, 1986. And I don't think many people would have realized and then gone to new Coke letters. I don't think this theory has legs. The final theory is to do with it being an excuse for Coca-Cola to remove all the Coca derivatives from their product by reformulating it and to not get in trouble with the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, because of Ronald Reagan's war on drugs, which had really been escalating over the last six months. While I can kind of see the theory behind this, looking at it, it's kind of a little bit crazy because... Coca-Cola still is allowed to bring coca plants into the U.S., and it's still used as part of their formula. It's not like they eradicated it totally, and they still use the same amount as they did. So I like the theory behind it, but it doesn't really hold that much weight. There are some people, for instance, there was a Time Magazine article on a historian called Barto L. Moore, who said that, no, this is to do with the war on drugs, and you can find their articles and their books online if you want to read more into that, but I honestly don't think there's that many legs on this, so I don't believe that's true. So we're going to move this into my final thoughts, and honestly, I think it's very important to look at this as a mistake. I think it was a mistake, and I think Coke did the right thing by bringing their original product back. The way I look at it is there was the old CEO, he had this great hubris that, no, I'm the man who'll be able to change this after 99 years, and I'll be the hero of Coke. And it just didn't work out. By accident, somehow, people just suddenly embraced the idea, bring back the old Coke, this is what we really want. And they became almost linked to patriotism, and they began to sell, and it sold so much better. And that's the reason why I really think it changed. A lot of people have negative reactions to change, as you can see by price you from modern culture, that changes can be seen as very negative. And you can see that almost today with many things, because in Coke's case, there is 90% of people who are fine with new Coke, and a vocal minority managed to get it changed to bring back the old thing. Today, with many decisions, you can see most people are fine with many things, but there's a vocal minority who hate change and don't want to bring it about. If you look at the modern... Uh, Doctor Who news, and this is going to horribly date this podcast, but this week they announced a female Doctor Who. And looking at the perceptions of most people, most people I think are quiet 90% of people who are just like, let's give her a try. Might not be my thing. She might be a good actress, bad actress, but we'll give it a go. But 
there's a very vocal 5% minority who are like, no, no, kill it with fire. This is terrible. No, the doctor's always supposed to be a man. And on the other side, another vocal 5% who are saying, no, we need this. Doctor Who should always be a woman. And we should also have a female James Bond and a female Indiana Jones. One side's trying to stop change. One side's trying to change. And it's just a big combination of this. But I think 99% of people or 90% of people really just don't care. Just as something that I was looking up because most people have never really tried New Coke because it came out in 1985. And just going by the demographics I get for listeners of this podcast, most people are in their early to mid-20s or slightly above that, but no one's really in their 40s. So if you didn't try New Coke and you're thinking, oh, well, you're reviewing an old product that I can't try, if you want to really try something very similar in taste, try Diet Coke because that's what it's based off. It's basically Diet Coke is that without high fructose full corn syrups. Diet Coke, New Coke, very similar taste if that's what you want to try. I would like to thank Gordo from Those Conspiracy Guys for having me on his live stream this week. And uh, he said he's going to endorse his podcast. So thank you very much, Gordo. Again, I would like to thank, I would like to thank Disaster Artists for endorsing me a couple of weeks ago. So I'm endorsing them. Same for Not Another Fake News podcast, which is great. You can find me on Twitter at, uh, at scapegoatpod. You can email me your suggestions at uh, scapegoatpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank different people who have gotten contact with me this week to give me different ideas. Mostly Leo, uh, Holiday, Rosemary, and Shane, who all gave me some great ideas. And uh, I like those. I'm not going to say them now. But next week, I'm looking at maybe doing a Yoko Ono episode to see if she really split the Beatles. But don't hold me to that. I might come up with something different in the time between. Okay. Thanks very much, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So... Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. It's Coca-Cola with a new taste, a new sensation, a new explosion of wonderfulness in your mouth. Go ahead, try it. It's just how you feel when you know it's for real. We've got the taste. It's a kick.